You are listening to WNHHLP, 103.5 FM New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org, and broadcasting live from our offices on Elm Street. You're listening to the Mandingo Ambassadors, which means that it's time for the Tom Ficklin Show with Tom Ficklin. Good morning, Lucy, and good morning, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure this morning to have Dr. Nivia Lissandra Torres uh, on the show, and we're going to talk. Uh, Dr. Uh, Torres is the, serves as pr- currently the superintendent of schools, uh, not for New Haven, not for Hartford, not for Bridgeport, but for the entire Connecticut technical high school system. So, as the superintendent of schools for the for the entire state of Connecticut, the Connecticut technical high school system, uh, she, believe it or not, has a number of people reporting to her, uh, as well as is working with over eleven thousand students. 20 facilities and has management supervisory instructional. I mean, you name it. She's, she's the person where the buck stops in terms of the, uh, the Connecticut technical high school system. So some of you may know Eli Whitney or Bulliard Havens, uh, et cetera, throughout the state. And it's a pleasure to have Dr. Torres on the show this morning. We've talked about education last week from the parent power standpoint, but here we have a person very embedded in the system to say the least. And uh, I'm not, trying to be sarcastic, but our, our Eli Whitney's, our Bulliard Havens, et cetera, uh, in the Connecticut technical high school system, sometimes they're either overlooked and or not appreciated. So it's a pleasure to have Dr. Torres on the show this morning. Dr. Torres, how are you? Good morning, Tom. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Good. The show goes uh, very quickly. And when I was looking at the information and kind of doing somewhat of the due diligence on you, it's, it's massive in terms of your responsibilities. I thought, um, we're going to really not rush through things this morning for the next 48 minutes, uh, but maybe just talk about some of the key challenges or passions or solutions or initiatives that you're undertaking. And you might just articulate one and we'll just unpack it for the next 40 minutes, or you might articulate two, but there's so much we can cover. So I was curious, given your manifold responsibilities, what kind of perhaps challenges or passions that you have or initiatives that you're undertaking? And also what kind of help do you have help might you need from, our listeners and the community to kind of make you fulfill your mission. Cause I understand you're a Renaissance woman, but nonetheless we need Renaissance people as well. Would you agree? Oh, most definitely. And I thank you for the opportunity. We certainly want to reach out to as many people as we can to spread the message about our core mission and the responsibility that we have in the state of Connecticut. When you ask me about challenges, I would say that our biggest challenge is is really to remain fast and nimble and be able to respond to the high demand for particular skills in the state of Connecticut. There are a number of emerging industries in the state, and I'm sure that your listeners have watched very closely to the latest news about folks who are signing contracts within the state of Connecticut who are staying here, and that really puts a big responsibility on our shoulders. We want to make sure that our graduates are equipped to meet the demands of the state. So that is really our biggest challenge right now. We work very closely with the Department of Labor and the Department of Economic Development to make sure that we are responsive to those emerging trends and needs within the state. Yes, but but let, let, let's unpack that because, again, uh, there, there are vari- you've alluded to the various systems. And how do we... Um if someone's listening to the show, how can they help you? 
for folks who are listening to the show, and I'm sure that there are a lot of folks who are listening who are alumni or who know someone who attends a technical high school. And I think the biggest thing that you can do if you're listening to us this morning is really to be an advocate and a cheerleader for the system. You said earlier that there's some folks who might know of Eli Whitney in Hamden, they might know of Bullard Havens in Bridgeport and our other technical high schools, and they might not necessarily see these schools as a viable educational opportunity for someone in their family. I think that our message really has to be a message of a clear understanding of our numerous programs. We have over 30 career pathways that we prepare students in, and our students leave equipped to be um, college students if they would like to, or to continue working and thriving in the state of Connecticut. So when you ask me for a message, the message is one of advocacy and really being a cheerleader for our technical high schools. Indeed. And when you, I'm not going to ask you to articulate, to, uh, uh, Iterate the thirty, the thirty skill sets and disciplines, but but tease us a little bit because we hear so much about the the job market. I mean, for the last hundred years, uh, in terms of penetrating the, the the system and how to become employed and to be satisfied and and to pursue your dreams. But it seems to me like you guys might be on the. I think people are not understanding that you might be on the cutting edge of how people can survive over the next twenty, thirty, forty years. In, in well, term- and I thank you for saying that because we have really been marketing and rebranding ourselves so that people really see the technical high school in a different light. Mm-hmm. In the name, in the 90s, we changed our name from vocational to technical. Um, I think that vocational had an old connotation to it, and it really did not highlight the academic rigor of our program. Mm-hmm. So since we've called ourselves technical high school system for those who still refer to us as vocational We have really changed from that model. We have over 30 pathways, as I said earlier. They are in 11 career clusters, and all of our career clusters are recognized by the Association of Career and Technical Education at the national level. We have the traditional trades that all of you are familiar with, um, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, carpentry, automotive. And then I want to talk about some innovative pathways, and maybe we can get into detail. Absolutely. In the we have biotechnology, um, which is a new trade at Norwich Technical High School, and it's the only one we have in the state. We have BET, which is bioenvironmental technology, which we have at Grosso Tech, and we have at AI Prince. And we have digital media, which is becoming very popular in the state of Connecticut. So we definitely want to be on the cutting edge, and we want to make sure that the students that we have are really prepared for those jobs in the future. So if you made the digital, you said the digital technology? Yes, digital media. Digital media. Yeah, that that, that really is of interest to me. But if if a young... The schools are from, if I'm in the ninth grade now at a regular high school, I can still apply for my 10th grade year. In terms of uh, students that might have an interest or transferring from their current high school to, what's the process involved there? That's an excellent question. So we normally recommend that students who are in seventh and eighth grade start thinking about what they would like to do for their high school pathway. We're actually talking to parents earlier on. So elementary, middle school, we really have to educate 
students about their career pathways. If you are an eighth grader and you're thinking about ninth grade, then you work through your guidance counselor or coordinator at your local middle school. If you're a ninth grade student and you're already attending a local high school, we do accept applicants if we have spaces available throughout the state. And we normally accept students until the first semester of their 10th grade year. Mm -hmm. After the second semester, it becomes a, a little because they would have to make up a number of competencies for their trade, and we don't want them to be playing catch-up. We want them to be at the same level as other students. So normally until the first semester of their 10th grade, we would accept any interested applicants. That's really helpful Helpful to know. Um, talk to me a little bit about, I was looking at your background, and you, you in addition to your being, being the bilingual coordinator, but you... Uh, you have your, your bachelor's in foreign service and international politics uh, from, from Penn, Penn State. I'm from Pennsylvania. And then your, your master's uh, from uh, Pontifical Catholic University in Puerto Rico and your, and your doctorate from the University of Connecticut. But how did you move from uh, being, working for the CIA to now working for, for the state of Connecticut? Well, I, I think things happened by accident. It was an evolution, although, you know, sometimes... Life has a way of really directing you to your true call. Um, I love what I'm doing. I love education. I think that um, what I received through my bachelor's degree served me very well. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be a diplomat in these positions. So certainly foreign service and international politics and poli-sci and all of those courses have really assisted me in my um, career. I started teaching by accident. Um, I was looking for a job after I finished my bachelor's degree and I returned to Puerto Rico for a brief period of time. I was called for an interview and I just completely fell in love with teaching. I've been teaching ever since. Isn't that something? That's something. Uh, you recently had enough. I just want to shift for a second in terms of the, the, the sociopolitics, the economics of life, the, oh, just that we hear this word diversity and how and whether people can get along, uh, so to speak, and we know about Black Lives Matter and other matters, but I, I, I always love to chat with people that are working with a structured, um, a structured system such as yourself because you're not immune to what's going on in society. So, namely, you had a conference, was it three weeks ago on diversity? I've, I'm trying to recall three, three, four weeks ago you had a statewide conference on diversity and uh, we don't use the term affirmative action anymore. Well, thank you for referencing that event. And let me just say that I couldn't agree with you more, Tom, when you say that we're not immune to what's happening in society. And as educators, we take our responsibility very seriously. On September 15th, we had a panel discussion at Cheney Technical High School. Cheney Tech is in Manchester, Connecticut, for your listeners. And the topic of the panel was workplace diversity. I just want to clarify that for us, diversity encompasses a number of variables, race, gender, ethnic group, age, certainly um, religious beliefs and socioeconomic backgrounds. Hmm. And we really want to talk about diversity, not only in terms of how um, it involves people and how they perceive themselves, but how they perceive others. We brought a number of folks from state agencies and business and industry partners to really talk about their role in impacting diversity in the workplace and any successful strategies that they could share with us. Some of the panelists are folks who've worked with us very closely in terms of our initiative, like Commissioner Jackson from the Department of Labor. 
Um, one of our business and industry partners, Howard Jenkins from Electric Boat, who is a huge advocate for education and training and welding in the Groton region of the state. So it was certainly an opportunity for us to share our perspective and build on our belief that we are the backbone for innovation, but we also need to ensure that as we innovate, we have a representative core number of people and students within our organizations. Yes, and in fact, I think my good friend Joel Murchison was also on one of your panels. Uh, she's now at UConn. Yes, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, and I, I wanted to get there. It was, it was just so impressive to see, to see that lineup. Talk a little bit, if we can, about the, because I'm still just really intrigued about having your the Department of Labor, uh, Economic Development, and just even, as you mentioned, the gentleman from, from Electric Boat and uh, United Technologies to kind of not be in your back park, pocket, but to realize that it's a, it's a synergistic kind of relationship. Well, we like to think of our, you know, that our success is really built on our partnership, partnership with a number of folks. We, we're not an island. We need to make sure that we have opportunities for our students and for our staff, and we need to create that synergy. And that synergy is really created by making sure that we have ongoing conversations with folks from state agencies like the Department of Labor, like business and industry partners, educators. There was a representative from higher ed, Dr. Lopez, who used to be the vice provost for the Board of Regents. Mm -hmm. We all are committed to making sure that Connecticut has a trained workforce, that we make it attractive for business and industry to stay here, and that we're ultimately creating jobs. Tom, because that's really what it's about, that we are partnering to create jobs and that we're making sure that the folks who are accessing those jobs are trained. You know, and that, that's key when you mentioned to me, when you mentioned the word jobs, years ago, I was president of the board for what was then called the, the private industry council. So I'm dating myself somewhat. Uh, but when I hear you say jobs, I also hear in terms of the skill sets and the disciplines and the really the rigor that, that the students are graduating with. That they also are have been they're launching their kind of their their their, their entrepreneurial skills. Is that fair to say? Very much so. And um, we spent a lot of time talking about skill set. We just launched last month with the board a readiness continuum for our students. We want to make sure that our students are life ready, and we define life ready by making sure that our students are job ready. They're work. They have the skills that they need to be academically successful and ready as well. These are the students that we want to make sure they show up for, for a job, that they're responsible, that they know what teamwork means, they know what critical thinking means, they know what conflict resolution means, and those are all the skill sets that we want to make sure that our students have and that ultimately, as you say, they also have skills to become entrepreneurs. So you can certainly access a job, but you can also create jobs to impact the economy. And in terms of doing that, we have a network of small business partners mm -hmm. who come and speak to our students about the possibility of making sure that they can also create um, businesses for themselves and for their families. Our message as a system is ultimately that we want to make sure that students who are trained here in Connecticut, Tom, they stay in Connecticut and they thrive in Connecticut because we know that workforce development is inextricably linked 
to economic development. That, that's that's so key to, to hear you say that having a having a plumber come into my house last week and then looking at the uh, invoice, I certainly can understand that, that people are making money. There was a there, there was a recent, if I can, Doctor uh, uh, Doctor Torres, shift to the. Not not really shift, but reference the Sikorsky. The reason the re- recent announcement about Sikorsky kind of uh, projecting that, that there's a, a tremendous number of jobs that they anticipate uh, hiring and filling over the next five years. How does that impact your uh, your goals or your strategies or your preparation? Well, before I answer that, Tom, let me just say that I've heard so many stories about plumbers in the state of Connecticut, and um, certainly we want to celebrate. These folks, uh, clearly, they are making a living and they're impacting the economy. So we're pleased that we're just able to train them. Mm -hmm. Um, This agreement for Sikorsky is is certainly an excellent agreement for the state of Connecticut. And we partner with the governor and with other state agencies and with our key legislators around that. There is a boom in aerospace jobs. As you know, aerospace manufacturing pays well. We want these jobs here in Connecticut. We want to make sure that we're part of that uh, training. I don't know if you're familiar, but we do have a facility in Stratford. It's our school for aviation maintenance technicians. It's a school that is fully accredited by the FAA. And we partner very closely with Sikorsky because we train a number of their employees in that facility. So, again, this agreement is a very positive agreement for everyone in Connecticut, and it will ultimately impact um, the base supply chain within the state as well. So it's very exciting all around. Absolutely, I, I was not aware of your of your Stratford. Uh, if I, I'll say your Stratford franchise, but that's that's the per, a perfect example of what I, what I was trying to allude to. We hear so much in particularly in European economies about uh, planned uh, workforce development, but you know the United States take, takes kind of a different approach, and I think. I love the we have a we still have an anchor in that approach. We still have a strategy involved that I still that that, that as I hear you articulate maximizes everyone's investment. There are a lot of people that are going to benefit from this agreement. We're just excited that we can in small in a small part part really contribute to it. We also have another aviation maintenance technician program in Hartford, so I don't want to forget that. Okay, much. all right. And that location, we partner very closely with um, Pratt & Whitney. As you know, Pratt & Whitney is the um, par excellence jet engine maker mm-hmm. in East Hartford, and they will be hiring over 8,000 workers in the coming year. So we are also be excited to be able to um, partner with Pratt & Whitney in the East Hartford area. Tremendous. Let, let's shift for us. You know what, Lucy, let's take a brief music break, give a uh... Uh, Dr. Torres, a chance to kind of take a deep breath, and we'll, Dr. Torres, we'll, uh, we'll be, be right back. We just want to give our listeners also a chance to take a break and really enjoy talking to you. This is fun. By the way, you, you have to commit to coming back on at some point, maybe in the in the February or March. I would love to, Tom. Great. I would love to. Thank you for the invitation. Don't go away. Stay right there.
Thicklin show, and again, it's a pleasure this morning to uh, really have a, a really pleasant one. One to what Dr. Torres, I feel we're having a heart to heart discussion, and I like that. Uh, Dr. Ne- Nivia, and I love uh, middle names as well. Lissandra Torres, uh, Dr. Torres, do people reference your, your middle name much? Um, really, not much. My family calls me by my middle name, um, but people at work normally know me by Nivia. Nivia, okay. Well, I like Lissandra as well. Uh, let's shift to, to budget. I mean, your budget is, I'm reading here, at least 100. I mean, it's, it's some big, big numbers here. Uh, 156 million. Is that a low? Is that low? Is it increased? Is it, is it smaller than that? It's around that number, Tom. Mm-hmm. Approximately that for fiscal year 2017. That is correct. And so how does how is that money generated? We hear so much in the news in terms of each year, in terms of, you know, state, state economy, um, Kevin Limbo kind of issues his his remarks about the state of the budget, and the, the governor issues his remarks. How are you guys faring in that regard? Well, let me just say that these are challenging times for the state of Connecticut, and we are all charged to finding ways in which we can run more efficient organizations while we continue to support our core mission. Um, I think that we have all been impacted in one way or another. I like to see this as an opportunity. I'm, I am an eternal optimist, Good. and I think you have to be an eternal optimist when you work with children, when you work with students. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the business that we're in. There are um, challenges nonetheless, but we like to put things into perspective. We are very appreciative of the governor and the lieutenant governor. We have been able to renovate five of our technical high schools in a span of three years. Mm. We have received a five-year, $10 million investment to upgrade all of our manufacturing shops across the state and get state-of-the-art equipment. So I like to balance that and really provide that perspective for folks that in spite of the fiscal challenges that we have, there's still a lot of things that we need to celebrate and that we need to be grateful for. Say that again. That there are a lot of things that we need to be grateful for? Yes, and also the fact that in spite of the challenge, and again, I'm not, we haven't really met that much or talked, but I kind of, sometimes I take a laissez-faire approach to the chatting with, with my guest, and I guess want someone that, I guess want my listeners to hear once again that in spite of, despite of, you are still moving forward with the, with the constructions, with the new, the, the uh, innovative curriculum, um, yes. And and that one has to stay optimistic. We have, you have to move, you have to look forward and not backward. We we have to do that, Tom. And I always um, have a back to school message for our teachers and our staff. And there were two core words at the center of that message this year. They were enthusiasm and hope. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that. I have been visiting schools already. Already twenty visits. Um, to a number of our schools, some more than others. I'll make sure that I get to them as much as I can throughout the school year. But I already see that enthusiasm and hope. And that is what I want our teachers and staff to focus on. There are always going to be external variables and challenges, but I choose to focus on the positives and the infinite possibilities that this new school year brings for all of us. See, that, that's, that, that's, 
it might sound simplistic, but from my standpoint, that's that's really profound, particularly in this day and age. Um, how do you supervise all these folks? I mean, who's who's your? Give us a little feel for your hierarchy. Maybe your uh, your your kitchen cabinet or your next level of people that report to you. If if you're comfortable in sharing that. So I didn't catch the last part, but in uh, terms if, of if I were if I were to look at your organizational chart, who would mm-hmm. I see would be the four or five people that directly report to you? Okay. Well, there there are a number of folks. We have 18 principals, and I have an assistant superintendent who works very, very closely with me and does a phenomenal job. Um, Before he came on board, I was mostly responsible for the entire organization and operations, and that also included school construction projects. I learned a lot. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely enjoyed it. I'm just let's just say that I'm happy that he's helping me over <laughs> that um, right now. So mm-hmm. he he's very close to me and he supervises a lot of those projects. Then I have a number of folks here in home office. We call ourselves home office instead of central office because we like to think of ourselves as partners with the schools, and they oversee the teaching and learning, science, math, social studies. Uh, architecture and construction cluster, all of those folks are here in the office with me. And then the principals who report directly to my assistant superintendent and myself. So there are a number of folks who work very closely with me, and I certainly would be um, remiss if I did not mention our excellent executive assistants, because we know that ultimately they're the ones who run the organization, (laughs) keep us on our toes Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate and, and what's his or her name? We could give, give that person a shout out. Oh, of course. I can give you two names, Diane Curtis and mm-hmm. Terry Fabrizio. They work very closely with me, and they're ever patient. So I thank them. Fascinating. Fast. Uh, given your, again, looking at your background and just the nature of your job, how do you say, how do we rank as, in comparison to some of the other states in terms of technical uh, high school systems? Well, Tom, let me just say that as part of our strategic plan, our vision is to be the best technical high school system in the nation. So I might be a little biased in answering (laughs) the question. I would say that we are the best and that we are the premier system. And I would say that because we are the only system of its kind truly in the nation. We receive 93% of our funding from the state. That really is indicative of the governor and the legislature's commitment to the system. Other technical high school systems are supported by their local towns or communities. And really, this is the only system of technical high schools that you have within a state. I had heard that, but I got it just uh, through, through the grapevine. But I, I must, must tell you, Dr. Torres, I really hadn't believed it. So that's what, that was kind of a... A, a, a trick, a trivia question, but that really, what do you think has historically, what, what's, I mean, that's, we hear about this Connecticut and the various achievements we've made from the beginning of the, the, the inception of, of, of Connecticut. Uh, but this small little state has a lot to be proud of. Oh my goodness. Indeed. And let me just share if, if, Please. if I can. Last year, our students from Norwich Technical High School were number one in the nation in a competition that takes place every year and has been taking place since 
um, close to 23 years in automotive technology. So we are number one in the nation for automotive technology. Every year we have a number of students who attend Skills USA, and Skills USA is the banner organization for career and technical education for students. Um, this year our students in sound production were once again number one in the nation. So in we sound have a production? Lot of um, sound production. So par- paraphrase that in lay- layperson's language. So we have a sound and media production shop at AI Prince Technical High School. These students are involved with Pro Tools and audio recording and so forth. Uh-huh. And they are number one in the nation. Quite frankly, if you're interested in prospective employees, maybe we can talk after the interview and I can give you some names, Tom. Well, let's share let's we can we can go live well you mean in terms of student names or, or but i mean share with uh with listeners that a business person an owner someone's looking to start their business some of the uh types of folks that they may be in our listeners and our audience might be interested in hiring you, you can we can this is this is a commercial this is good it's not commercial but this is a commercial time well and and i appreciate the time and i'm certainly going to take good use of it First of all, let me just say that we have a student workforce model across the state. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that as part of our students' curriculum, they have a number of hours where they actually go out on production. So mm. if you're looking to build a deck, if you need some plumbing work done at home, mm-hmm. if you have some wires that need mending, you can certainly call your local technical high school or visit our website, cttech.org, and get more information about our student workforce and how we can help you and you can help us making sure that our students expand their curriculum by serving the state. That's tremendous. You know, just when you you mentioned that, Dr. Torres, my mind flashed back to, I can't recall the exact number of years, but maybe 20 or between 15 to 20 years ago, one of the local churches here in New Haven, uh, Christian Tabernacle, it's in, the, it's in the Hamden, New Haven line. I'm almost positive that the students from Eli Whitney helped to co- kind of construct that, 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 that beautiful church even today. Um, that, that's, that's really helpful to know. Uh, so if I wanted to, I, if I'm a person that's listening, a uh, small business person, the Chamber of Commerce, and I wanted to reach some, the person at Eli Whitney or at Boyard or uh, other schools, I would just let my fingers do the walking just or just call the general number? Yes, you could certainly um, visit our website for the school or call the school directly, and they'll give you information about our student production work um, and how you can access that as a service. There are a number of services that we provide where we actually go on site and um, we serve you. However, let me just let our listeners know that there are also some services that you can tap into when you visit the school. Hmm. So you need your car repaired. We have our automotive shops, and you can certainly, again, call the school, drop your vehicle off or um, uh, an oil change, or maybe you need your brakes checked. Mm-hmm. You can also dine in one of our restaurants. Um, Cut it out. For a meal. So when you're in need of a good meal, Tom, Eli Whitney is just right there around the corner. It and is. We have it, our restaurant. I live nearby. Yes, yes. Our culinary students thrive. And the schools who have a hairdressing and cosmetology shop can also help you look your best. 
Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Can, can they help me kind of lose a few inches on my, well, if I go to the dining room hall, that, that might not be possible. Hmm. Uh, let's shift for a second, because a lot of your, there's so much that you've done, and as I say, we're going to look forward to chatting with you again. In terms of the bilingual and folks that might be linguistically challenged, I'd like you to kind of chat about that, because we know that Connecticut has been, has been will continue to be such a diverse state for people that uh, English might not be their first language. Talk to us a little bit about uh, the, the that you guys are aware of that fact and your instructional curriculum uh, modality in that regard. Well, let me just say that for me personally, that, that's um, very personal and near and dear to my heart. Um, my master's degree is in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Um, I believe in bilingualism and multilingualism. So, again, that's something that I just take great pride in. In our system, we have also done a concerted effort to make sure that students can access our curriculum. We have a phenomenal staff person, Dr. Vega, Laura Vega, who oversees that program for us, and a number of trained staff and teachers who assist students who might still be developing um, their second language acquisition skills. We're helping them transition so that they can be successful while they're learning English and also accessing the trade. So we have a number of programs across the state. We also have our flyers and programs and our brochures all in um, Spanish that folks can access the information and parents can learn a little bit more about these opportunities. There are some communities within the state that we cater to because there's a particular representative group there that might not necessarily be Spanish speaking. They might be speaking another language. So we tailor, um, meet their needs and we work very closely with their parents, but um, overall very committed to that and making sure that, as I said earlier, our workforce and our student body is really representative and reflective of the state's demographics. Yes, yes, that, that's so important. In fact, I believe, just as a as an aside, we're celebrating uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. It's, it's like September. We are. <laughs> National Hispanic Heritage Month is celebrated every year from September 15th to October 15th. Um, we celebrate that with great pride. There are a number of authors who will be visiting our schools to celebrate that with students, and we encourage our students to read in their native language or in their second language, but to celebrate and really be proud, whatever your heritage is, just be proud and own it because we are certainly proud of you. Indeed, indeed. You had a lovely uh, article, uh, Dr. Torres, in the, the Hartford Business uh, Journal. That, uh, Torres' lead, leadership provides students with career track, and I read it. Did you pay someone to write that article? I mean, that was a pretty good article. Oh, my goodness, No. I think people who know me know that I am still um, shy about um, those things. Mm -hmm. And I always like to say that it's really the message of the district. It's really the message of the teachers, um, the staff, and the students. And we are all a team. We're all a team. I might be the leader, um, but there are many leaders right there with me, not behind me, but standing right next to me. Well, and I appreciate your saying that because it talks about your your passion for education and your, your commitment and diligence. And that certainly comes through in this, in this, this interview, um, by, by all means, the, 
What's what's on the what's on the game plan for you? Do you think three, four, five years down the road? I mean, you mentioned the construction, you mentioned the evolving uh, kind of market-driven curriculum that you guys are developing. As you uh, talk to your other peers across the nation that aren't as good as you, but as, but still they're they're doing a job, and even look at some of the economic trends uh, worldwide. What, what what kind of goes through your head about if as you kind of want to, you know, uh, manage, evolve, uh, further structure, further kind of embed the legacy and the need for, uh, for, for technical education? Well, I think the first thing is we really want to continue to um, diversify our workforce. And for us, one of the challenges, and as we look to the future, is making sure that females are represented in non-traditional trades, mm-hmm. that females represent the face of manufacturing and the face of other trades. Um, within the state, I think that there are a number of folks across the nation that are also grappling with that. So we're very excited to see more female students represented in STEM-related um, fields and areas. So that would be number one. Mm. I think second thing for us is really making sure that our curricula is revised to align with um, workforce readiness skills. You'll see a surge of more jobs in IST, Information Systems Technology, healthcare, business, hospitality, and manufacturing, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. We want to make sure that we continue to be competitive and our curriculum is aligned to that. And finally, we want to make sure that all of our buildings and facilities are renovated, that we have the latest um, and cutting-edge technology because ultimately our students will be out there working in business and industry and we want to make sure that they're equipped to do that. And in order to do that, we need to make sure that our classrooms, our equipment, our facilities really reflect a real-life setting and what they will ultimately encounter when they graduate and leave us. That's that's so key. And, and I'm, I'm, what's going through my mind is, again, we're talking about 14 to 18-year-olds, and I'm still trying to decide what I'm going to do when I grow up, and I'm a little older <laughs> than that. So uh, it, it's to even for, sometimes a student might come to one of the technical schools and either be pushed to come or the parents might recommend to come. But it seems to me that it's such, it's such a, uh, an eye-opening experience for the student, even if he, she, he or she decides, you know what, I've done this now, I'm going to go on, going to go, go on to college and major in something else. But the, to have that skill set so early in life, to have that exposure so early in life, I think could be, is so invaluable. It, it really is, and I've heard um, from a lot of students, Tom, graduates, who they decide to go to college, and some of them, you know, build a career, and some come back, actually, to the trade, or the foundational skills that they learned in the trade help them for that college degree. So we really like to see ourselves as a district of opportunities and creating multiple pathways for students, and there's not just one pathway. There are mm-hmm. many pathways and avenues. So if folks are still trying to figure out what they want to do when they grow up or when they leave the technical high school system, there are a lot of opportunities. We just want to make sure that our students can access those. That's that's the thing for, for sure. Uh, cost. Talk to me about cost at all. Do the students have to buy, depending upon their, their, their pathway, tools or equipment or supplies or how does that kind of, how does that work? We subsidize the cost for some students who um, might have a financial need for that. Um, We do that through our home office, through our central office. Um, The principals submit those requests to us, and we're happy to support those. And then there are a number of students who, you know, parents or family can support the purchase of some tools 
or uniforms for them, and, you know, that's cer certainly helpful. But for those who can, please know that we're committed to making sure that they have access to those resources that they need. So um, we subsidize that. It's, oh, that that's that's good, good to know. I'm, I'm involved with uh, just teaching a course at, at Gateway this uh, this semester, and the cost of textbooks, I mean, I just really haven't been aware of how high the textbooks are, so I appreciate your sharing that. Uh, this might sound kind of routine, routine, Dr. Torres, but as we kind of conclude, maybe share, I'm sure you have your list in front of me of the various schools throughout the state. Just mention their names again, because I don't think people realize how we're a small state, but your position th throughout the state. And uh, if you don't mind, just share maybe 10 of the schools, uh, the names and where they're located. I'd be happy to, Tom. So AI Prince Technical High School is located in Hartford. We have an education center, Bristol Tech in Bristol. We mentioned this morning is in Bridgeport. We mentioned the two schools of aviation, one in Hartford. E.C. Goodwin is in New Britain. Ella Grosso is in Groton. Emmett O'Brien is in Ansonia. We have Harvard Ellis Technical in Danielson and H.C. Wilcox in Meriden. Henry Abbott is in Danbury and Howell Cheney is in Manchester. Wright Tech, which opened two years ago in Stanford. Oh. Norwich Tech in Norwich. Oliver Wolcott in Torrington. Flat Tech in Milford. Vinyl Tech in Middletown. Caner Tech in Waterbury. And Wyndham Tech in Willimantic, Connecticut. And I think I got them all, Tom. And, and all those people you're visiting today, right? Um, I will be visiting most of them this week. I try to get out <laughs> as much as I can. Friday, we actually visited three schools in out. one day. We're very excited that we could be able to do that. Share with us as we wind down. We have about three or four minutes. You mentioned the Stanford location is, is relatively new. Yes, the Stanford location reopened um, two years ago, two years and a half. Um, the school was suspended because of low enrollment. So we created a new program for the school. Um, now we're very excited to have the school reopen and be able to serve that community within Stanford. Um, very cutting edge, the program there, the facility is absolutely beautiful. We have a state-of-the-art facilities management program, the only in the nation at the high school level. Mm. And it's a combination of HVAC, electrical, and carpentry all in one. Um, so it's a very exciting program that we have at Stanford, and I invite you and any of the listeners to come and visit not only J.M. Wright and Stanford, but any of our technical high schools. Yes, and, and I appreciate your mentioning the Stanford one, just as, again, another illustration where the system realizes that people, people and the fact that you had to close it down, but you understood that there's still a need, and meeting those new needs, and as these new needs, educational and, and career life path needs kind of evolve. That's the key. And you mentioned being nimble as a, as a leader. So I really appreciated that as we, as we opened up. We want to make sure that we have a presence in the community, certainly the chamber of commerce and a number of business and industry partners in the Stanford and Norwalk region were instrumental in making sure that we reopened the school with the support of our governor and our legislators in that area. So mm -hmm. we're just a to be able to serve the Stanford community once again. Tremendous, tremendous. Uh, Dr. Torres, any kind of uh, last thoughts? Again, you you will be back on in, in a few months, but as we kind of wind up for this this particular episode, just curious if there's any other points you'd like to make or share or, or anything you'd like to kind of convey to our audience. Well, first of all, to thank any alumni who are listening. We're all very proud of you. 
um, being a former technical high school student. To all of your listeners, thank you for the support that you provide to the technical high school system. And please know that we are committed to continuing to serve the state in our capacity as the pipeline for workforce development. And like I said at the beginning, I would urge anyone to be an advocate and a cheerleader so that together we can spread the word about the unique opportunities that these schools provide in the state. We need to celebrate these schools, and we need to be very proud of the history of these schools, but also of the present and the future that they represent for this state. So I thank you. I thank all the listeners. Thank you for the opportunity and for having me, Tom. It's been it's been indeed a pleasure. This is this has been great. Uh, I hope hope to see you soon. I will visit some of the schools. I'm going over to get lunch today over to Hila Whitney and. And my haircut, and I just really appreciate you for your for your, for your passion and good good luck and Godspeed. Thank you, gracias. Have a great day. Same to you, dear. Take care. This is the Tom Ficklin Show, and we'll talk to you uh, next Monday as well. And thank you for listening, Lucy. Thank you for your help, and Wilson Camello. Thank you for your help. Oh.